0: Welcome to our Northern Voices program. I'm seated here chatting with Navi Price. Uh, good morning. Good Hello. Morning, nice Johnny. To you. Thanks for coming and agreeing to talk to us about the inspiration behind your work. Uh, to You're give very us a welcome. Break. And um, it's a really special moment, actually. Um, we're just opening up the galleries in Harrogate. And you, I think, have been working on a remarkable series of, of, of works. And I wondered if you could tell us how the last few months have been for you.
1: Sure, yeah. So as a lot of artists um, um, found themselves in a, a similar situation during the, the first lockdown, which was you know just over a year ago, um, we were sequestered outside of the studio. So I, I think it really forced a lot of people into reimagining how they can make work and for me that meant um, downscaling necessarily again like a, like a lot of people usually I work um, quite quite not huge but quite bodily size so the paintings in the studio behind me now is 70 by 100 centimetres um, and I had to and they're, and they're in acrylic they're on um, birch ply panels so they're, they're quite chunky and quite, um, quite heavy. So I couldn't make those at home. Um, So I thought, well, what do I do? Uh, Hmm. This coincided with the launch of um, the Artist Support Pledge project on Instagram, uh, whereby artists are selling work directly to collectors for no more than £200. Um, So I was thinking about that as well. How do I, how do I make something that doesn't um, compromise the, the pricing of my, my existing work and my, you know, what, what I might say, my kind of proper or studio work, the larger kind of more resolved pieces. How do I do that and still make something that has the kind of integrity um, that I'm not just kind of, you know, bashing something out? So um, it also coincided with um, people posting, friends posting pictures online around the first lockdown. Of um, benches, public benches, uh, park benches, any kind of uh, public bench that were taped up with red and white barrier tape. Just to um, keep apart. yeah, it's Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that that was during that that harshest um, part of the the first lockdown, whereby we weren't allowed out for what was it, more than an hour? I think wasn't it um, for for exercise, and um, you weren't allowed to stop. And it was a a strangely, almost violent act, I thought. Um, this, but, but strangely creative as well. It was um,
0: like visually, very creative, wasn't it? I mean, as you say, it's a very mm. fun, almost graffiti like act to get sort of mm. red,
1: and white, or yellow and black tape and like. Yeah. Across. And, uh, and there was a yeah. sort of hidden um, creativity um, in how it was done. So yeah. it was done. Um, it, it really brought to mind the Paul Clare thing about taking a line for a walk, but someone was doing that through space, and the the workers who, who did it, um, they they presumably weren't thinking um, about how this was a kind of three dimensional line through space. They were they were you know doing that very uh, pragmatic, that very practical act of, of putting this tape there for a reason, um, but you could see um, that people had really gotten into it and they'd interacted with the uh, the constructions of the benches with the slats and with the uprights um, and there was a huge kind of almost a handwriting going through um, like a calligraphy um, going through how these different types of benches were wrapped and people kept sending me these these pictures uh, saying oh I, I saw this I, I thought of you um, yeah. it looked like something you paint like, well, yeah it kind of does um, and I decided to make this body of work as a, a sort of um, unplanned collaborative thing. Um, so I asked friends to take these pictures for me where, when they saw them around because obviously you weren't allowed to travel, um, you, you had to exercise in your local area then.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and um, I gave them quite prescriptive instructions on how to compose the shot, where to put Horizon lines, whether but horizontals and verticals, yeah. And people um, sent me these these uh, images, and they came to me from all over the world. Eventually, um, and it it was quite surprising that this phenomena, this quite simple thing of of wrapping in this polythene tape, was completely international. So they they were coming to me from as far away. I think I had them from Zurich, from America. Um, australia barcelona all over the place really so um, really
0: caught in through social media mm-hmm.
1: and just, yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah and i i get that very clearly and you expressed it to say well the idea you know there's no if you like formal way to delineate a bench so if you say mm. you know, uh, the person you put in the task with the job is going to respond to what's available isn't it i love that idea. yeah,
1: yeah. and you could tell the amount of um maybe the amount of work that that person wrapping the benches had to do that day um some of them had maybe you know uh five or six wraps around and then some of them really went to town and <laughs> they were like um, yeah. putting uh you know it was like a carloff's mummy uh, going around these benches sometimes
0: that's so funny i want to come on to something um of a topic which is to do with how if you like nature is when it's left to its own devices what happens to it in our uh, observation of that but um what I think is interesting is that if you like that became a network for you to communicate with people around the world and you were based in Newcastle then or, or where were you yeah yeah well
1: um I live in Gateshead which is just over the river um and um yeah they, these images were coming to me from all over the world and they were translated then uh, just to pick up on the smaller work um they were translated into small watercolors um, yeah. so I was working in watercolour on my living room coffee table um, and t- t- in order to kind of justify the amount of um, the, the and they were sold through Artist Support Pledge and yeah. in order to justify that decision um, I gave myself a, another set of rules they would be small they were A4-ish okay. yeah. and um, I would work on them for no more than one day each which equates to about what a day as a visiting artist um, as a at a university would get. So there was a, a kind of logic and I, I I approached it very much in a as a as a job of work and in a in some ways reflecting that job of work that the the person who wrapped the bench did. I, I saw I okay, so kind of neat line that and it.
0: said, okay, yeah. I'm gonna be that and was the Art Sport purge very successful for you? Was that did that really uh, I think um, I
1: think it was okay. uh, it it's absolutely um, it's changed a, a lot of things for a lot of artists I think um, yeah. and galvanized a certain level of collecting and the the, the great thing about it is um, the honesty and generosity around the the project so um for every thousand pounds you make you pledge to reinvest two hundred pounds of that in buying another artist's work
0: yeah, so no, a, a, yeah.
1: a fantastic um, uh, offshoot of that is something- I've got a
0: I think that's what's brilliant about uh, that concept, but also something that I think is beginning to come into focus about what we see art doing for us. Really, is much more. I mean, you know, collecting means something else now. I mean, as collecting mm. then was proprietary. I own it; you don't. And collecting mm. now, in that way, means I own it and I'm part of the conversation that the yeah, made, sure, um, makers an artist and artists and everyone. So I think I think. It's really for those reasons, and it's reflected in other elements of, um, I think, contemporary practice at the moment as Mm. well, Um, particularly dialogues across different genres. So, um, I mean, very different from your everyday. Had you had exhibitions planned? Were were, were there things that you had to put on hold or? um,
1: Yeah, um, I was was quite lucky. It it ended up being, 2020, paradoxically, ended up probably being busier than it, it would have been anyway. Um, yep. I'm not a huge fan of online exhibitions I, I took part in a, in a few of those um, I was part of the, the R.S. summer show at the invitation of Jane Louise Wilson which was good yeah. but that ended up being put back to, uh, until um, it ended up being the winter show it uh, yeah. it it ran over um, quite a way in fact yeah. the work's just come back from that now and they're taking mm-hmm. entries for the, the next one and um, but yeah, it, it was a, a strange. I, I I did have a solo exhibition um, at Van Gallery up here in Newcastle planned that had to be put on hold, and I did have a curatorial project that I was putting together again put on hold. Um, and I think it's been an interesting um, refiguring or uh, a position to step back and think and think about the necessities of of what uh, a successful exhibition needs. I think it's a, it's been a strange kind of resetting. I'm, I'm sure you found something similar to that with brilliant Brooks and Absolutely. galleries. Absolutely.
0: Um, I'm very happy to engage on it with you because I think you're you're right. Um, you know, you can't go through, uh, you wouldn't want to go through what's just happened and not come out having reflective change because mm. this whole notion of the idea of things sort of going back to normal is a bit of a, because you know life as far as I know it is one thing built on another so you can never go back uh, whether you want mm. to or not so things have changed and I think our relationship with the physical object has changed mm. and our relationship with information and, and shared knowledge has changed as well both for the better I think we revere both of the more now um, and some of the archetypes are sort of well I need a show to, to show my work to make a sale is Kind of you know a fallacy that that or an archetype that doesn't really i think um stand up uh, hasn't been. Mm. Uh, and so it, which is exciting because it means that we can talk in different ways and so it's like our role as a gallery uh has changed dynamically in that way as well and so mm. you know, different platforms um and different ways of talking about um talking about uh creative practice and one of which is to physically be there in the room with the works. And if you like, that's probably the most singular thing that's come out is our enjoyment, our pleasure of being there in the moment with with an object. Um, and to think about that making process and the story, if you like, uh, the person behind it has really become something that we've you know focused on. And that's very exciting as well, to feel that, that narrative's gone kind of up front. So yeah, it's uh, I'm not a I'm it's interesting because you have a curatorial practice as well, I think, don't you? So it's interesting mm. you know, relaying those thoughts through your mind. And um because we're focusing on uh, if you like, northern voices, I'm obviously very keen to hear how you see that developing uh, from Newcastle and beyond. Um
1: I think um the it was a very particular decision to stay north for me when I um I finished my degree kind of twenty years ago, uh, but I've been seriously kind of engaged as a as a, a practicing artist probably only for the last 10, 11 years since I finished my masters at Newcastle University, and um, I think the as we've intimated already the 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 importance of being physically in a space is less so than it was twenty years ago. Um, the the internet works now, and I think that kind of um, it's entirely possible for. So I, I show with a gallery in Milan, for instance, called Galleria Six, and it's entirely possible to maintain a a working relationship with a, a an international um, practice um, yeah. from somewhere that you know yeah. is is home, um, and I think that is quite different. And I think I think the kind of models of of, um art world models have, have evolved a, a heck of a lot in the in the last 20 years that so I think when I finished my undergrad there was very much a uh, um, an implied kind of route I think our collecting is, is changed in that um, in that time as well the, the the implied route when I'd finished my undergrad was right you finish your undergrad and then you go to London and do a, a an MA at uh, you know Goldsmiths or the RA or the RCA or whatever or the Slade Chelsea um, and I think that's very good much... yeah. yeah exactly and then and then you know um, Gugosi and Asachi you hoover you up and then that's it and then you're drinking champagne every night right that's how it works <laughs> <Absolutely>. and, um... <laughs> definitely <laughs> <a> success right <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely. Um,
1: absolutely and you know back then professional practice um, in inverted commas was the name of a module and they the end, you know, the the, the um, point of that module was basically, oh, you should probably go to shows and you should probably take some decent documentation of your work, and that was basically it, you know. Um, and I think every I think the the world is obviously much more connected and the models of of what you what you deem a, a kind of a, a collector to be, what you deem a, a, a success again in inverted commas to be, what um, you know, it, it, if you're still doing it, uh, <laughs> I think is a great, a great marker of success. I think and, absolutely,
0: you're still standing. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, to to George Shaw uh, a, f- a few years ago, having a pint, and uh, and we we were we rarely talk about art when we meet up, but um, uh, we we were talking about art, and his uh, words of wisdom were, "Well, if you stick around long enough, something will happen." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I he's think quite right <laughs>
0: no, it's a word. I tell you what, absolutely it's very <laughs> impressive, isn't it and yeah. also, you know, you can physically stand still or sit still or be where you are in the moment and that, yeah,
1: and the interconnectedness of, of the, the world in the last, you know, the te- last 10 years um, yeah, you know, me getting images from, from Zurich and then making a painting that exists and goes out again into the world by the end of the week you know, that is yeah. incredible
0: yeah it really is it's like sort of distributed ledger type stuff isn't it it's kind of yeah sure um it's really it's really interesting i I was um i mean serendipitously uh we're running a exhibition program obviously we have our venue in harrogate which is becoming representative of creative practice in the north um and also a, a platform for a revolving exhibition program through our various venues um and one of the themes that we've been working on this last year is to do with our relationship with the environment and by extension landscape and which is often a very big part when you think about the north of england and scotland it, you know your relationship with the landscape becomes kind of both you know some, some people find it very dominating some people just you know it's it's what they stand on and it's as simple as that um mm. uh how, how do you how do you view
1: uh, the landscape where you are. I think I'm a landscape painter, kind of by default. Um, I'm very. Mu- I, I see myself as uh, in my my main practice, um, which is kind of outside of this uh, project um, of the benches that I've been doing this last year. I'm interested in uh, in history more than anything else, and history tends to happen in landscapes. Um, I'm interested in how we um, how we understand. Um, and how we appreciate a, a certain location um, when armed with uh, knowledge of its history and how that changes our understanding of it. Um, so um, th- this um, has, been, has been the kind of driving focus for my uh, practice for the last uh, 10, 11 years, whereby I'll, fi- I'll research and find the exact location of a, a site of some kind of historical importance i'll, I'll go there and then yeah. i will have to make a painting of whatever i find there yeah and it, it started as a way um when i was doing my masters to um find kind of answer that question that as artists are and the you know going back to our childhood that we're all trying to answer what shall i draw um and um i've i've said before no. that i had a, a sort of um a luxurious problem, uh, whereby I, I could probably make a decent painting or drawing of just about anything I could see. So what do I do? You know, that was kind of yeah. hugely kind of an intimidating problem. Um, so by um, by removing choices and removing choices, I confronted myself with something, and it became a, a way to problematize how I make a painting, a way to get beyond my own um, ideas of what I might find harmonious or attractive to look at or, or whatever I would have to be um, I would have to be engaged with whatever I found at this particular location and mm. yeah sure and um, it would it was also a way for me to um, challenge the uh, on a very pragmatic painterly level the kind of things that I'm um, that I'm painting um, so you know I'm a, I'm a representational painter but i wouldn't necessarily so you know without painting behind me there with grass on it i wouldn't necessarily choose to paint all of that grass but then if if it's there i, I kind of have to and you know how do i do that how do i do that in a kind of creative way and um in terms of northern landscapes um i don't massively do an awful lot of them but the the main um body of work that i've made that is engaged with the north was uh, on my phd which was Um, Looking at the legacy of the Ashington Group, um, also known as the Pittman Painters, and engaging with that post-industrial landscape, um, that a landscape that um, only exists, so that the mining towns around Ashington only exist because of the existence of coal. Um, They're there purely to service the collieries, and the collieries, of course, are no longer there. So this, um, the... The way that the um the towns are, are built uh are kind of hunkered around these sites that have been rewilded um and it's like they they've hidden um through landscaping and through um through kind of hiding um hiding yeah. the um yeah. the, the scars through the In, landscape that
0: strange relationship where nature is kind of like doing a sort of working process of healing um
1: mm. But has a helping hand as well. So that, um, at the at Woodhorn Colliery, um, which is a museum with which I did the the PhD in partnership, where the and Group collection is held, um, there's a, a what's called the Queen Elizabeth II Country Park just outside, and it's actually where the slag heap was, and it, yeah. it was thirty years ago the site of the biggest slag heap in Europe, um, but it has been rewilded and. There are these um, slightly too perfect curves in these curated paths through this landscape. Yeah. And um, yeah, nature has kind of reclaimed it to a large extent but the trees are too straight. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the, Lines the curves too, uh, are too perfect. Yeah,
0: sure. I love it, love it. That's really interesting. Really interesting. I'll venture now into something which is in connection with this um, and I wondered whether um, do any of your works from that show still exist, or have they all moved to different places?
1: Uh, no, they do. Uh, so I've got about half of them left. Um, it was quite a successful show. I made um, 30 paintings um, that were looking at the walks. Again, it was this idea of work. So I, I looked at the, the, walk, the, the walk to work that um, several members of the Ashland Group made, so um, I started at their house, their respective houses that were recorded in on the Verso sides of some of their works um, and in minutes and things like that. Um, I started their house and walked to the site where the collieries were and made um, kind of try to embody the landscape that way and give a kind of purpose to my walking around these um, these towns. There's five um, collieries around the Ashington area and um, they became a body of work called The the Ashington Paintings and Matthew Collins wrote an essay for the catalogue for that for me, which was very kind of him. And um, those works are going to be in a touring exhibition um, called Where We Live, um, along with the work of Trevor Burgess, Jonathan Hooper, Judith Tucker and Mandy Payne. Um, That is due to open uh, in London at the end of this year, all being well. Uh, Fingers crossed, touch wood and all that.
0: Brilliant. Um, So, Nabi, thank you very much for joining us on Northern Voices. Uh, This has been excellent. And I know it's going to be insightful for everybody who's listening.
1: Okay, thanks for that, Johnny.